we're starting a new series today called The Biography of Tolkien. J.R.R. Tolkien. Incidentally, on this day in 1972, Queen Elizabeth, God rest her soul, long live the king, Queen Elizabeth ordained him or knighted him as a commander in the order of the British Empire. Huge, huge award that he got today on this day, 1972. Biography of Tolkien, really? I know what you're thinking. Pastor Josh, I thought you were cool. And you're doing a biography on Tolkien? Like, that sounds... It sounds kind of nerdy. It sounds nerdy because it is nerdy. But if you are a nerd, you're going to love this church. You're going to fit right in. There's lots of nerds in the church. And I look, I, I know I seem cool, but deep down inside, I, I, have, I have an inner nerd that I'm connecting to. And uh, Tolkien is just a big, giant influence in my, in my life. But there's other nerds in the church. We have Marvel nerds. We have Star Wars nerds. Uh, we have, what else do we have? Disney nerds. We even have fantasy football nerds. So if you're kind of nerdy, you're going to fit right in here. This is, a, this is a great church. Now, why the biography of Tolkien? What I'm going to be unpacking in the next few weeks, I have an argument that Tolkien is the most influential Christian in the 20th and 19th, 21st centuries. Huge impact. His book, The Hobbit, which we saw a little clip from, is arguably one of the most favorite books of all time. Lord of the Rings, his sequel, sold over 150 million just in book sales. One of the highest you know, sales of all time in that book. Those two together were huge, in addition to the Cimmerillion, not to mention the movies that came after, uh, specifically directed by Peter Jackson. There was some great animation stuff uh, in the 70s that maybe we'll talk about on a podcast. But there is just so much cultural influence. Tolkien is also considered the father of high fantasy. So all of your nerd stuff, everything that you see on TV that deals with wizards and elves and faraway places, Dungeons and Dragons to Game of Thrones, everybody ripped off Tolkien. That's the kind of impact that he had. And this is what you need to know about the man. He was a devoted Christian, a devoted Catholic, by the way, to be precise. And the first clip that we saw here is important because he is, Mr. Tolkien is writing himself into his own story. He is Bilbo Baggins. Bilbo Baggins is this homebody. He is this reluctant person that is very comfortable in, in his lifestyle. He does not want to move the boundaries. He does not want to rock the boat. He has found peace and comfort in his lazy boy chair watching Netflix. He doesn't need to take risk. He doesn't need to step outside of his doors. He doesn't 
need to invite strangers into his home. He doesn't want to discover new relationships. In Tolkien's own life, we see an individual that is very kept to himself. Uh, in his professional career, he was one of England's best professors. He was a linguist. He translated Beowulf. Uh, he translated, or he uh, he did a lot of work on the English dictionary. I mean, he was um, he was absolutely brilliant. He wrote The Hobbit in his spare time at night for his children. So the man was brilliant, but he, w he had his nose in the books all the time. So this kid, growing up, he wasn't the one that was playing rugby. He wasn't the one that, that was, you know, going on adventures in the woods when he was a kid. No, no, he was stuck in his books. And one of the themes that we see in all of his stories is this theme of moral courage. The, the, this, that, that, those two words are going to come up repeatedly over the next couple of weeks. He had a moral courage that was not his own. He chose to be a courageous person. Growing up, right out of college, World War I started. That's kind of how old he is. He was, he was in World War I, and he was the type of individual that did not want to go to war. And he didn't want to go to war because he didn't have the physique or the temperament of it. Now, during World War I, most young men had this bravado, and they wanted to go and fight. It's not like it is today. You know, we've had the anti-war sentiment and the Vietnam thing, and, you know, there's a huge cynicism towards war. And, and whether right or wrong, uh, during the First World War, they didn't have it. We'll look at this theme later in the series. After World War I, you better believe everyone was cynical about war because it was a war unlike any other war. He didn't want to go, but he mustered up the courage to enlist. Tolkien didn't want to be famous. Hobbit was like a huge success. Lord of the Rings was a runaway hit. He became a rich man, a famous man, almost overnight. He didn't want that. C.S. Lewis had to talk him into publishing it. So he is an individual that are a lot like us, where you're, maybe you're complacent, maybe you're stuck in your ways, maybe you don't like change. Tolkien knew this. He writes himself into his stories. I want to encourage you, if you've read the book, maybe you want to read it again, maybe you want to watch the movie, I want to encourage you to go after, again, if you want to nerd out, I want to encourage you to view the literature, view the movie from a different optic. I want you to view it from Tolkien's optic, that he is the reluctant hero, right? And everybody that comes into his life, specifically in this scene here, 
Everyone that comes into his life represents a divine appointment, right? So this is a, so Gandalf, this, this wizard with his pointy hat, okay, what Tolkien is telling us, he's not telling us a story about a wizard. He is telling us his story of his interaction with God. That's what's going on. So, Gandalf, again, look at the movies, look, read the book in a different light. Gandalf is a Christ type. He's a God type. Frodo is a Christ type. He's a God type. Aragon is a Christ type. Jesus is all over this material. And what is exciting about this material is that it's in everybody's heads. Everybody has seen or should see the movies. Everybody has seen or read or should read the books. You have unbelieving friends that have spiritual seed planted in them because they read The Hobbit, and it's just waiting to come out. And maybe that's your job. It's just waiting to blossom. Now, in addition, oh, uh, Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings, uh, arguably, there's a little bit of a debate on which movie is more, is the most successful movie series of all time. There's kind of a battle between Star Wars and Lord of the Rings. As of 2019, Lord of the Rings, the movies, the most successful series of all time. That's how influential this outreach is. Now, I have to get this off my chest. Last week, Amazon Prime released a spinoff. <laughs> I don't even know where I'm going with this. A spinoff of this series called The Rings of Power. Um, I, I, I'm so disappointed. <laughs> I don't know what to say. It's so disappointing. I, mean, I don't want to go. I don't want to spend too much time on it, but it's just, it's just not good. And here's the irony is that Jeff Bezos spent almost a billion dollars on this series. That's how much of a reach this, you know, Middle Earth has. He spent over almost a billion dollars and it's so bad. I'm sorry. This is my own personal opinion. Uh, <laughs> Jeff Bezos, his son said, his son is a Tolkien fan. He says, if you screw this up, I will, I will hate you forever. Well, guess what? Bezos screwed it up. It, it has, so if you're watching it, if you want to watch it, even, okay, first of all, none of those stories are Tolkien stories, just, just so you know. It's based off of the idea of Middle Earth, but they are not, he didn't write any of that stuff. They just kind of maybe ripped off a couple of the characters' names, but the characters don't never do what they do. It's just bad. It's really bad. There is some controversy to it. Because it hasn't quite... I've only seen the first three. I, don't, I haven't seen the controversy yet, but there's supposed to be some woke stuff that's been written into it. Uh, it's like, oh, man, Pastor Josh, if there's woke ideology in there, should I let my kids watch it? Like, here is a, here's a, pa here's a parent uh, expert tip here. If you don't want, if, you're gonna, if they want to watch it and you're not sure if they should be allowed to watch it, just let them watch the first 15 minutes of it and they're going to get bored and not going to want to watch it. Like, it's really that bad. So, live to fight another day. Don't fight that battle with your kids. I, my daughter's like, I can't do this. And she just left. It's, it's that boring. Okay. So, 
Don't worry about the woke stuff on that one, because this is gonna this is gonna fade off. It's gonna be probably one of the biggest flops of all time. Um, <laughs> a news source, a few news. <laughs> this is so bad. This is kind of tells us where our culture is right now. A few news sources are reporting that Amazon is suppressing the negative views on their site. Do you know what that means? They're cooking the books. What are the implications of that? The implications of that is that Jeff Bezos is the Dark Lord. <laughs> and we have invited his evil queen into our home in the form of Alexa, and they're telling us... Anyway, sorry. Okay, so... It's bad. Anyway, okay, so I got that off my chest. Thank you. Um, if, again, if you watch it, don't be deceived. It's not Tolkien. He is rolling around in his grave right now. Um, he's going to conjure up his dead inkling friends to take over. It's just so bad. Okay. All right. Anyway. Bilbo, when he is interacting with his characters, you need to see this. He's interacting with the will and sometimes the voice of God. I'm going to show you another clip of Bilbo being forced to step out of his comfort zone. And the way that God does this and the way that God will do this for you is that he is going to bring people into your life that will challenge you. He is going to bring in communities that, that, are, that are going to push you. He is going to hopefully bring in smart people that will help you to change the way that you think about this world. One of the beautiful things about Tolkien is he gives us the opportunity and the invitation to think critically about our world. So much so... So much of an invitation to think critically about the world and about faith that Tolkien led C.S. Lewis to the Lord. That's the power of his impact. So we're going to watch another clip about Bilbo's life or even Tolkien's life being turned upside down. Now see it through the eyes as if these characters that are annoying Mr. Baggins, these characters are placed there by God. Excuse me, I'm sorry to interrupt, but what should I do with my plate? Here you go, Ori, give it to me. Excuse me, that's my mother's breast bathing butter, it's over 100 years old! And, and can, can you not do that? You'll blunt them! Ooh, do you hear that, lads? He says we'll blunt the knives. Blunt the knives, bend the forks, smash the bottles and burn the corks, drink the glasses and crack the plates. That's what Bilbo Baggins hates. Cut the clock, turn the back, leave the room for the men to pack, pour the men to the pack the
Who's here? You see it a little differently now, huh? God comes into our lives and he starts messing around with our china and dulling our knives, making us feel uncomfortable, bringing weird people into our homes that we wouldn't normally hang out with. And it is all God's promptings to move us into an adventure. That's what he wants for you and I to move us into an adventure. Now think back to the first clip where Gandalf says, let's change the words a bit. I am looking for somebody to go to share an adventure. God would say, God is looking for someone to share in an adventure. And that's you. Here's the sad reply. Gandalf slash God says, you have changed. You remember that? You have changed and not entirely for the better. So we all have to ask ourselves, brothers and sisters in Christ who have been walking with the Lord for a very long time, you have to ask yourself, is God asking you that question? You have changed, and not entirely for the better. Do you remember your first love? Do you remember when you first was, were exposed to the gospel, when it first clicked into your head? When you had that moment, like Mr. Noise did, where, he, where your hands lit up, or your, you know, your mind was illuminated, God physically healed you, and you knew that, that your life would never be the same again? Do you remember that day? Do you remember that defining moment in your life when God stepped in and changed your world? And, and, and now is he saying, you have changed, and not entirely for the better. I love this part. Oh, God is saying today, oh, God, is that you? <laughs> Are you that wandering wizard? Are you that wandering God that, uh, that made such incredible fireworks? Yeah? It's like, oh, yeah, wait. Are you that God that, that did these miraculous things in my life? Not entirely bad, but kind of the wrong answer, Right? We're talking about fireworks here. God, God makes, he makes incredible fireworks. But he's more about the relationship than he is the fireworks. We are called to go into relationship with the Lord, not into a relationship with his magic tricks. Does, does that make sense? Bilbo, or maybe sometimes us, says... I had no idea that you were still in the business. Yeah, have you ever had that conversation with God? Wait, oh God, you're still around? I didn't realize you were still in business. Like, that is something that our culture has actually been saying. God's, God is out of business. Uh, a few years ago, there was a famous saying, well, God's dead. Well, we proved that was not true. God is not dead, and nor is he out of business, and nor has he ever been out of business. But he says, oh, I am still in business. God is still in business. He still wants to be in relationship with you. 
But he will say, I am pleased to find that you remember something about me, even if it is my fireworks. So he's okay if that's the only thing that you remember about God are past fireworks. He's okay with that if that's what it takes to get you back into understanding his nature and his character for you and, and how he wants to love you more. He's okay about that. When God calls, like he calls you, like he's called Mr. Tolkien, like he's called Bilbo Baggins, God's calling is not exactly what we want it to be. First of all, God's calling is disruptive. God's, when God calls, he disrupts your everyday life. There is a shaking that takes place. In a, in a sense, he has to wake you up from a deep slumber. And I would say that during the past two years, a lot of us fell into a sleep. It's almost as if a mist has come over our eyes and into our lives, and we, we're just not seeing things clearly. But today is the day where God is waking us up, where he is jolting us. It's disruptive. How did you feel about this morning when the alarm clock went off? It doesn't necessarily feel good. Galatians 2.20 says that I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I have in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. So this is, a, this is a powerful, transformative scripture. So Jesus wants to transform you. And here's the beautiful thing, is that he wants, <laughs> he wants to transform you, believer, again. So transformation isn't just a one-time hit. Salvation is amazing, but that's just transformation number one. God can easily step into your situation, your life, your circumstances, and he can, well, he can kill you again. He's killed you once before and created a new man, created a new woman. He's killed off the old flesh. He did it once before and he can do it again when we allow those things to creep back and come back inside. I want to encourage you to think about the story of the Apostle Paul. This man, before he had a vision of Jesus, he was a lot like Professor Tolkien. He was, Paul was a professor. He was right up there. He was the rabbi of rabbis. He was the Jew of Jews. He was, he was passionate about the word of God, and he knew, he knew how to administrate the word of God effectively. And then one day, on the road to Damascus, God interrupted his life in dramatic ways. Literally blown off his horse by a, by a beam of light. His eyes were covered over and he had a radical, radical transformation experience that, that changed the world. The second thing that happens when God is calling you is that it requires courage. It requires courage for you to actually step up, not just, 
Courage, number one, is you actually got to take the courage to believe the stuff. Like, that's probably one, again, I say this a lot, but the hardest thing that you do in your Christian walk is to actually believe. And once you believe, once you do that hard work of actually believing the Word of God, that once that takes place, it requires action. Faith without works is dead, right? So, faith without courage, courage with, without movement, it's just, you're just not going to go anywhere. You're going to stay in your hobbit hole for the rest of your lives. It requires courage. And again, this is uh, the major theme of Tolkien's work, moral courage. So maybe you, some of you have courage, but do you have moral courage? We'll be looking at that in the weeks to come. Deuteronomy 31.16 says, Be strong and courageous. These are commandments. These are, these are things that are implanted into us as believers. Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or terrified of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Like that scripture, you need to get into your heart. It gets repeated over and over again through scripture. That's why we know this is an important one. Same type of theme, Joshua 1.16. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit a land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Now, what does that mean for you? Be strong and courageous. You've got to believe in your heart of hearts that you, yes, even you, can be a leader. Pastor Josh, I, um, I'm not a natural born leader. I have got some amazing good news for you. Leaders are not born, they're made. So, you need to cast that lie aside. Yes, you can. By, with the help of God and with a little bit of courage, you can lead your family into righteousness. You can be an influence, a positive influence, to everyone that you come in contact with, whether at work or with it at school. You can be a leader. You can carry yourself as a spiritual leader. In fact, it is a commandment. It is a commandment for you to take on that spiritual gift of leadership. Amen. The spiritual gifts are for everyone. If you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, you therefore have every spiritual gift inside of you. Again, one is leadership. Second Timothy 1.7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-control. Courage looks at fear and does not shake. Courage sees the things of this world and the fear that is being placed upon us. Let's just be honest. We have lived in a fear-based society for the past few years. We're, probably, we're still there. We, we don't know what's, what's going to happen along the horizon. And you've got to, I mean, sometimes you need to take a break from the news because you, you, you read the news and it's saying that we're going to run out of food in the next two months. I mean, like, we're, really? I mean, and if you allow it, that fear will get under your skin. But if you're in the Lord, you have nothing to fear.
Thirdly, is anybody ever, are you guys afraid to be called by God? Are you, are you afraid of what God might say? The, the typical thing is, uh, I, I don't want to respond to the, the call because God's going to make me be a missionary in Africa, right? <laughs> now, I got some good news for you. Uh, if God calls you, chances are he, he's not going to send you to evangelize Africa because they're doing pretty good right now with the exception of the Muslim states. In fact, Africa probably should send us some missionaries. Amen. I mean, like if you watch, if you watch these... Uh, I mean, they're, they're, on, they're on fire. They're 100% sold out. We can learn a lot from them. They're not complacent. They're not stuck in their hobbit hole. They're not comfortable. They're passionate about the gospel and sharing it and undoing the works of the devil. We need to get back to that point. So yeah, chances are he could. He could, he could send you to Africa. But chances are he's going to send you to, on mission here. Because we need revival more than anybody else right now. So you might be thinking, man, if I respond to the call, Pastor Josh, then, then my life is going to be a drag. It's, it's going to get boring. I can't do what I want to do. I can't go where I want to go. Well, I understand that, that sentiment, not having control over your life. I understand that in America, uh, it has, and this is, this is a positive, but it also can be a huge negative. In America, we have been conditioned for freedom, and which is a good thing, right? We have... Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. These are enable rights. There's even a state flag, a yellow one with a chopped up snake on it that says, don't tread on me. Don't tell me what to do, right? So this is where it gets negative. All right, we are Americans. I value our freedom. Like if you, if you traveled, you will learn how to value your freedom here in this country, 100%. Best place, best country the world has ever seen. But what the gospel teaches us is that you are not a citizen of the United States of America. Your first and foremost allegiance is to the king. Your citizenship is in heavenly places. Your first obligation is to the kingdom of God and not to any political party or force. That might be hard for some of us to hear, but it's true, because what the gospel message says is that when you give your life to Christ, you are no longer the captain of your own ship. Your life is not your own. You cannot tell God what to do. He tells you what to do. That goes against our American nature. We're not our own. We've been bought by a price. We have to submit fully to the king of all kings. Now, I played the video of the dwarves tormenting Mr. Baggins because 
when God comes into your life to disrupt it. It's fun. <laughs> like, when, when your cheese starts getting moved around, you might not like it, but if you just embrace the chaos, yeah. you will learn that, that God's a fun God. Amen. Like, He doesn't want you to be all somber and bored and bummed out about your faith. He wants you to be excited about your faith. He wants you to have fun. Look, I'm telling you, it's a fun ride. You open yourselves up to the kingdom of God and you submit to him, you're going to see how fun God is. I've had a couple of divine appointments this week that it was just like, wow, God, I forgot you were around. Thank you for letting me know that you're around. A divine appointment, for those that you don't know, is... You know, if you're cynical, it's going to feel like serendipity or circumstance or coincidence. But you know, if, you, if you have something cool that happens to you over and over and over again, chances are that's God trying to communicate to you. When somebody, when you're thinking about a thought or when you're struggling with, somebody, with something, maybe you're struggling with sin or temptation and grandma calls you up in that very moment, Guess what? That's a divine appointment. <laughs> and if you allow them, they will be so much fun in your life. Yeah. Psalms 16:11 says, "You make known to me the path of life," right? So God has got a journey for you. He's got an adventure for you. He's got a path of life. Not a path of death, but a path for life assigned to every one of us. Sometimes it's hard to stay on that narrow road. Sometimes there's lots of sideshow attractions along the way. But if we put our heads down and we're faithful to the walk, we stay on that path. It is so much fun and it is so full of life. You make known to me the path of life. Here we go. And in your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand, there are uh, pleasures forevermore. So if you're walking this walk, and if you don't, and I'm not saying that you're not going to go through hard times, but there will be joy in your walk if you're doing it right. That is a a sign that you're doing it right, that that there's a fullness of joy. Did you know that you can be at a, at a memorial service, you can, you can be at a funeral, you can be sad beyond belief, and you can still have joy inside of you? That's the power of joy. There's a difference between joy and happiness. America wants to make you happy. God wants to make you joyful. Joy is better than happiness. At your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. That's the walk God is calling you on, one of joy and pleasure. It's fun. And then he's just going to stack up all the dishes for you. Did you catch that? Like Bilbo thought his whole life was falling apart. They're moving his stuff. They're, you know, they're, they're, making, they're messing everything up. And the next thing that you know, out of the blue, out of, the no, out of nowhere, everything has fallen into its perfect place. That's what a little bit of divine chaos in your life can do. Divine chaos is not chaos at all. It's God's order. We just perceive it as being chaotic. 
It requires faith to understand what God is really doing. All right. I got a big, long scripture to read. It's not going to be up on the front because I picked a different translation that I think that sounds better. So bear with me. I want you to open yourselves up and listen to the word of God because this is a verse about adventure. This is a passage about courage. And this is from a man that if he hadn't have gotten out of his hobbit hole, if he would have stayed a professor in Jerusalem, I I don't know. I mean, God would have had to pick somebody else, but uh, Paul changed the world for going on an adventure with God. This is uh, Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 11. Just listen and let the word of God seep into you. Paul is saying, I have worked harder for the kingdom of God. Taken more beatings, being dragged in and out of prison. I have been eye to eye with death. Five times I have withstood the 39 lashes from a, the Jewish authorities. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was almost stoned to death. Does this sound like fun? It is. Okay. (laughs) Three times I was shipwrecked and spent one day and one night adrift on the sea. I have been on many journeys and I have faced the most extreme circumstances, perilous rivers, violent thieves, a threat by my own people and by outsiders alike. I have faced danger in the city, in the wilderness, at sea. Dangers from spies from among my brothers. I have survived toil and hardship, sleepless nights, hunger and thirst, without a crumb in sight. Bare cold. As if these External trials were enough. There is the daily stress I feel and the anxiety I carry for all the churches that are under my care. So as you see, if I boast, I will only in my weakness. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is worthy of eternal blessings, can confirm that I am telling you the truth. Once in Damascus, the governor of the king of Atreides had his people in the city looking for me in order to arrest me. But I crouched in a basket and was lowered out of a window in the city, and I narrowly escaped that tight grip. This is an adventure, everybody. It's fun. Boasting like this is necess- isn't necessary, but, is, but it's unbecoming and probably un- unavailing. Since you won't hear me any other way, let me talk about visions and revelations I have received from the Lord, okay? So he's gone through all this hard stuff. What's the prize? Here's the prize. Fourteen years ago, there was a man I knew. Okay, here, real quick. Um, he's talking about himself. So he's talking, he's like, there's a man I knew. And Paul's like, he's the man, okay? So this is Paul. I don't know why he wrote it this way. He's being clever with his writing, you know, whatever. 
There was a man I knew, a believer in the anointed, that's Jesus, who was caught up into the third heaven. Whether this was in the body or of outer body experience, I do not know, only God knows. This man was caught up into paradise. And I'll say it again, I'm not quite sure if it was in the body or out of the body. I don't know, only God knows. And he heard inexpressible words, words a mortal man is forbidden to utter. I could brag about such a man, but as for me, I have nothing to brag about outside my own shortcomings. So I want to boast. I won't do so as a fool because I will be speaking the truth. But I will stop there since I did not want it to be credited with anything except what the people see and hear from me. To keep me grounded, okay, pay attention, to keep me grounded from becoming too high and mighty due to the extraordinary character of these revelations. Okay, so basically Paul is saying, I have gone through all this stuff, and as a result, as a result of my faithfulness to do things that no one wants to do, he gets caught up into heavenly places. And in the spirit, he's seeing things that, that most people don't get to see. And he's hearing the word of God that most people don't get to hear. It is a, it's a huge deal, this spiritual experience that he's had. And to keep me grounded from becoming uh, too high and mighty to the extraordinary character of these revelations, I was given a, a thorn in the flesh. We don't know what that is. I have some theories you can ask me later. I was giving a thorn in the flesh, a nagging nuance of Satan, a messenger to plague me. I begged the Lord three times to liberate me from this anguish, and finally he said to me, okay, hang on, everybody, remember this. My grace is enough to cover and sustain you. Amen? Amen. So if you think that you can't do it, if you think that you can't go on an adventure, if you think you've got too much pain, too many hang-ups, too much baggage in your life to do what God's asking you to do, His grace is sufficient to cover that. So you can't, you can't use your baggage as an excuse. His grace is sufficient to cover that. If, if God's grace is sufficient to cover whatever thorn in the side Paul had, uh, whatever issue you have, it can cover that too. My power is made perfect in weakness. My, God's power is made perfect in weakness. Do you feel weak? Do you feel unempowered? Do you feel like you have no voice, no say, no influence? Do you feel like your life is out of control? Do, do you feel like a little hobbit? You know the story, right? The hobbit wins. Do, do, do you feel like a little person? What does the Word of God said? You are made strong in your weakness. My power is made perfect in weakness. So ask me about my thorn. Inquire about my weakness. And I will gladly go on and on. I would rather stake my claim in these and have the power of the anointed one at home and within me. 
I am at peace and even take pleasure in weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and afflictions, adventures, I added that. And for the sake of Jesus, because when I am at my weakest, he makes me strong. Again, you need to see Mr. Bilbo Baggins. I mean, Tolkien says, I am Bilbo. And maybe he's a lot like you, too. Landon, come on up, bring your band. God's got a party that he wants to invite you into. God has people that he wants to bring into your life. People that can challenge you and and show you that in the midst of your weakness, you can be strong. The power of the church of Jesus Christ, when we come together and when we fellowship, is, well, first, we are giving God worship and praise and honor. We're honoring him for everything that he's given us. And secondly, it's vital, and we're getting there, we do really well, but you need to be encouraging each other. We gave a testimony this morning. We gave a testimony last week. Here's, a, here's an adventure for you. Share your testimony. Yep. Amen. Just see what God can do in that moment. Tell somebody. Tell your neighbor. Tell the people sitting next to you. This is what God did in my life this week. This is the victory that I had. I want you to see your church is people that are going to challenge you to move forward in life and not backwards. I want to encourage you to see your church as, as people that are going to push you out that front door and do things that you didn't think that you could do. And that takes place at a very simple table, at a very simple dinner party. We celebrate the Eucharist in a, grab your, grab your elements, we celebrate the Eucharist in this setting as a, the remnants of high church, right? You know, prior to these cute little portable Eucharistic things, we had the silver plates and the little plastic cups and the unleavened bread that we used to, to pass around. But in all reality, the way that we do it the way that we remember what Christ did for us on the cross, um, it, it, it's not supposed to be in this type of a setting. This is good, but you know what is better communion? Is if you're doing this around your own table with believers and you're saying, before, before we break bread, let's remember what Jesus did for us. So, just picture yourself not sitting in rows. Picture yourself sitting at that table with Jesus. This is the body of Christ. This is the manna from heaven. These are all 
these weird people that challenge us to be better Christians and get outside that door. Receive the body of Christ and let it sustain you for the adventure ahead. Sometimes it takes a little imagination to fully grasp what is in this cup in the new covenant. You know, if I just went out to the, the, the normal person that has no grid for church or faith, and if I tell them, you got to drink this cup for the forgiveness of your sins, they're going to be like, what sins? Why do I need to be forgiven? They don't know that they need forgiveness. They don't, they have, they're completely clueless that they're lost. And so it takes a little bit of an imagination to understand that in this cup is life. And it is that path that we must walk. For out the shedding of innocent blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Another major theme in Tolkien and C.S. Lewis. Tolkien understood this better than Lewis, actually. This will wash away all of your sins. Your old person will be put back in that grave. And new life begins at this moment, once again. Receive the blood of Christ for the newness of life. Thank you, Lord. If I could have the ushers come to the front. Do you know that God loves you and that he is good and that he is kind did you know that even if he leads you into dangerous situations even if he makes you feel a little uncomfortable that he will never leave you that he will never forsake you that he has got your back come what may he will never leave you he will never forsake you that is his promise to you so Let's not be afraid. Let's have some courage. Let's walk out that door into the bright world and see what God has planned for us. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this church. Thank you so much for the presence of the Holy Spirit that gives us joy, that gives us pleasure. We ask that we will live our lives in such a way that your Holy Spirit we want to spend more time here and more time with us at home. Anything that grieves or quenches the Spirit in us, God, we've, we're sorry. God, I pray you bless this offering so that this church can make a huge impact into a dark world. Thank you so much. Amen. And if I'm known by how I love, let my life reflect how much I love you, I love you. If you even ask, oh, my answer will be yes. I love you, I love you. So we say, here I am. Send me.
Am I on that? There we go. If you want to know what adventures God has planned for Granite Creek, you're invited to come tonight at 6. There'll be some sharing about where I think God's leading us, and the staff will say how awesome their ministries are and what we got planned next and how we can connect you to people that will be your friends, hopefully for life. We have a plan for that. We'd love to share that with you. So you're welcome to come tonight if you consider Granite Creek your family, your adventure team. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. Cause his face to shine upon you. May he be gracious towards you, turning towards you in your times of distress. Word of God says that he is faithful. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. God bless you. Have a powerful, adventurous week. Thank you.